episode 169 of the A News podcast, a digest on anarchist activity, ideas, and conversations from the previous week on anarchistnews.org. We hope it's useful to and fun for anarchists and the anarcho-curious. Give us feedback and constructive criticism by email at podcast at anarchistnews.org. For more information and usually some good commentary, see you at your favorite non-sectarian anarchist site, anarchistnews.org. What's new this week? On the Black Leadership and Other White Myths, from Anon by We Still Outside Collective. A three-minute-plus video and text on the inadequacy, irrelevance, and perhaps non-existence of Black leadership, a.k.a. liberal politicians, who get trotted out whenever there is turmoil in the Black community. Features white people in Kentic loss, Black people in the streets shaking hands with white cops, and denial of normal Black people ever buying into this distraction. A bit simplistic, but, you know... Quote, to paraphrase James Baldwin's still apt observation, we black people are more aware of the inner workings of our pale face antagonists than they are of themselves. Consequently, the diagnosis of woke whitey's psychological condition is quite simple. This James Earl Jones, Carl Winslow, or Rafiki from the Lion King voice, which bellows off the walls of their skull, is a defense mechanism against their inability to completely repress their own white superiority complex. What's also abundantly clear is that the only way to fully work through this hang-up is to gain even a small percent of the courage of a black adolescent and overcome their white guilt with a fist, a stone, and a Molotov cocktail." Unquote. As someone who has, for almost a week, been listening to a particular conversation with Frank Wilderson, plagued by bad sound, bad tech, and also full of depth and jargon, and bracketed by relationship stuff, sometimes a simpler message is a relief. Three Days Against Techno Sciences from Resistenza al Nanomundo. July 24th through 26th are the three days. Six planned workshops over three days on how the virus has and hasn't changed things for resistors. Virus and the technical transfiguration of the world, manufacturing children, the transhumanist vision takes shape, the pancraticon and the society of constraint, digital for recolonizers, institutions, Western governments and industrialists raiding Africa, and on Sunday, how to resist in times of a quote-unquote health emergency. Not sure why the scare quotes are used there, but I guess the argument is that the responses by the state to COVID-19 are not exceptional. This three-day event seems really interesting, and we can only hope that some of the attendees can get us reports on the awesome, the good, and maybe the embarrassingly bad? We can't be the only ones who do embarrassingly bad, right? Anarchist Prisoners on Hunger Strike in Belarus from AMW a brief announcement that starting on June 16th, three people, two imprisoned anarchists and a, quote, the girlfriend, unquote, Yana Chuliskaya, have gone on hunger strike. Does that mean she is not an anarchist? Is this bad writing or bad politics? Anyway, hunger strikes are scary and best wishes to all involved. The reason is apparently repression of expression and bad court and prison practices specifically for the two imprisoned. Translation is the thing, people. Support Manchester Green and Black Cross from Anon. A call for financial support, perhaps including donations of goods? Quote, Manchester Green and Black coordinates legal and other support for people involved in social and environmental struggles. This work takes time, energy, and resources. It is driven first and foremost by the time and energy of people involved in the group, but we do have costs. Bust cards and legal observer bibs, phone credit and computer hardware, our website and email servers, travel and venue costs for trainings. Manchester Green and Black Cross does not receive any funding and relies on donations, unquote. There you have it. A letter from the other front, from CrimeThink. Rural white anarchists in the U.S. talk about the experience thereof and options therein. 
This is well-written, not hyperbolic, nicely organized, and generally inoffensive. Quote, but what about us, the far-flung radicals, tucked away in the hills, the plains, and the backwoods? We are not there at the heart of this movement, at least not as much as we'd like to be. We are rural anarchists, physically grounded away from the metropolis. We inhabit these wilder places because they offer a space to think, a slower pace of life, a connection with the land, room for autonomous projects and ideas to physically expand and grow like a fern unfolding out from under the constant oversight of cops, neighbors, politicians. It would be easy to engage with this uprising as a voyeur or perhaps as a consumer. We check the news between barn chores, farm chores, fixing the truck. We refresh the seed while caring for livestock and feral children. Text a friend, did you see this? As we tend the orchard, hunt rats in the woodshed, check the solar, sweep out the shitter. Rural life has a rhythm to it and an unceasing grind. Living at this physical distance from the cities, it is easy to develop an emotional distance as well. But this moment is too big, too urgent for us to ignore." Unquote. Something has changed in the power dynamic. Interviews with anarchists from Minneapolis and New York City from Freedom Press UK. So you know it'll be working class bingo. Ruling elite, popular resistance front, multiple uses of oppression in the first paragraph. But first-hand accounts of what is going on in a scene like this are always exciting, unless you know they're terrible. Quote, Meanwhile, protesters wearing gas masks and helmets gathered bricks and plywood to prepare for the escalated battle against the police. Police on the rooftop continued their strategy of firing down at protesters. By now, protesters knew what tactics and munitions to expect from the police and also felt the sense of extreme hopelessness, having seen their friends suffer horrific injuries the day before. Some protesters brought Kevlar body armor, Molotov cocktails, slingshots, chainsaws, paintball markers, pistols, and even assault rifles. It was clear that this night would be different from any other night, and one way or another, the community was going to burn down the police station. As the street battle grew in size and intensity, police soon realized that their lives were in grave danger, unquote. While they regularly preach not to get distracted by hating cops, as that is a particular kind of lowest common denominator, that last sentence, ah. Anyway, the questions here are not terrible, the answers demonstrate some suspicion of the media and political jockeying, and while the hyperbole is there, it is understandable. This is certainly the biggest thing to happen to the U.S. since the 60s, given that this is from freedom, surprisingly good. Report back and reflections on Juneteenth noise demo from Anon. First person account that opens with skepticism about where things are headed. Then some thoughts about what is good about noise demos and how they should be done. Mildly contradictory in that the writer says they're a good way for newbies to get their feet wet and then says that people have to avoid panicking. Surely panicking is part of being introduced to these things? Maybe that's just me. But obviously some of that could be corrected by trainings or role plays ahead of time. Some of it. Note, people, it apostrophe s is always a contraction for it is. Always. Moving on. The network trial in Petersburg, anarchist defendants closing statements from the Russian reader, which is mainstream media, such as it is in Russia. The two defendants have very different statements, one saying he's not guilty and the other not contesting. The main body of this text is the statement by Filinkov, who repeats points from his defense that, among other things, the prosecutor is making things up and doesn't understand how tech works. There are many sketches from the courtroom by Anna Tereshkina, who also notes, quote, Viktor Filinkov and Yuli Boyarshanov made their closing statements today, and before that Viktor took part in the closing arguments. His eloquent speech, which disarmed all the scoundrels, made an incredible impression. 
Everyone whom he listed really has disgraced themselves, and they stand before all of us dirty, confused, and unable to do anything about it, unquote. How to pull down an obelisk from an Egyptologist. From twitter.com slash indie from space. The full title is PSA for anyone who might be interested in how to pull down an obelisk safely from an Egyptologist who never in a million years thought this advice might come in handy. A charming title for a piece on how to bring down statues. The first of two we got this week. This one requires lots of people. Quote, good riddance to any obelisks pretending to be ancient Egyptian obelisks when they are in fact celebrating racism and white nationalism, unquote. When the tongue is so obviously in the cheek, does it even count? Cute though. Trial update on Tangerang prisoners from Palang, Hittim, Indonesia. Three sentences in English, mostly informing that the next trial date was yesterday as of the recording, i.e. June 25th, and people should keep an eye on these prisoners and maintain solidarity. And, of course, the cops did bad shit. Of course. Anti-police rioting in Mexico from anarchia.info via AMW. Notes on riots in three places, Guadalajara, Mexico City, and Zalapa, and then brief thoughts. This is the section on Mexico City. Quote, fiery spirits recharged after the beating of a comrade in the June 5th riot during the call to target the U.S. Embassy. Turning up the anti-police tone, protesters marched armed with rods, guns, screwdrivers, hammers, spray cans along Paseo Reforma, collapsing fences, attacking monuments, vandalizing KFC facilities, the Fiesta Americana Hotel, Banco de Mexico, both private and public surveillance cameras, looting, and leaving on the street free access to lots of products that were extracted from stores. One of the stores most affected was the brand Adidas. In the Hemicycle Juarez, walls were demolished and various reporters from the press were attacked and intimidated. A note written by the journalist Hector de Malion, pay attention to this, dated June 11 of the Universal newspaper, released names and surnames of various comrades and even stated the criminal and political curriculum of each, once again demonstrating the accomplice role of the press and that they must be attacked during and outside the demonstrations." Unquote. Yep. Let's have some fuck the media protests one of these days, yeah? What Antifa is, what it isn't, and why it matters from War on the Rocks, which has the tagline, quote, national security for insiders by insiders, unquote. We can call that mainstream for short, I guess. Anyway, this is an inoffensive article clarifying mostly Antifa for outsiders. They use interviews with a few Antifa or anarchist or, that's what they say, or nice activists, quote, in fact, there is no single anti-fascist or anarchist position, a point that was made to us early on by a long-time activist who identifies as an anarchist anti-racist. One thing I want to be clear on is when I'm speaking, it's never from a position like, this is the anarchist platform. Anarchism allows for absolute personal freedom. There's no anarchist spokesperson who's going to be like, this is the anarchist platform on this issue, because it's so broad, unquote. Aww. Of course, Mark Bray is cited as the go-to face for Antifa conversations, Pointedly, the clarity with which the authors distinguish between Antifa and anarchism makes me wish a bunch of fucking anarchists would read this. Looking at so many, but let's start with IGD and agency. It's both sad slash funny and dangerous when they understand us better than we understand us. Attack on Manpower Group in Greece from Athens Indie Media via AMW. The Manpower Group is apparently an American human resources giant, and U.S. resistors are apparently speaking Greek. Quote, 
our attack is a message of resistance and revolutionary solidarity to the insurgent forces that are destroying the omnipotence of American supremacy. As long as our black brothers and sisters are the target of white terrorism, no American investment will be safe. 51 years later, the days of wrath are here again to haunt the nightmares of the bourgeoisie." Unquote. This post also names the revolutionary abolition movement, so alliances have been made, it seems. Anarchist responses to a pandemic, the COVID-19 crisis as a case study in mutual aid. From the Kennedy Institute of Ethics Journal by Nathan June and Mark Lance, both irritating professors who talk about anarchism authoritatively as academics will. Both actively engaged in making anarchism acceptable to the masses and speaking to the enemy as collaborators and liberals always do. Here they explain how well anarchist tactics work, whether or not they're called anarchist, and the drinking game is reinstituted, adding grassroots to the cue to drink. Because hydration is important. Quote, The grassroots DC response to COVID-19 is a clear and vivid illustration of mutual aid. The actions of DC Mutual Aid Network, neighborhood groups, etc. were all undertaken without any demands of local authorities or hope of personal gain. People saw a need worked together through existing networks, offered help where needed, engaged in discussions of best practices, listened to established experts, and acted in concert with one another in the interests of all, unquote. People are good, especially anarchists. How to topple a statue using science from Anon, apparently originally from an article in Popular Mechanics magazine. This, the second of the two how-to statue toppling guides, gives more options re how many people it might take, and also more math for those who are into that sort of thing. Fewer people requires more chemicals and tools. Isn't that the way that goes? Quote, let's say you can't find 70 friends. If you still want to attempt this with a smaller removal squad, you have to weaken the monument itself. That's where temperature comes in. Yield strength changes a lot with temperature. A 90% copper, 10% tin statue, for example, will have a yield strength at room temperature of 31.4 megapascals. That's compared to 275 megapascals for 6061 aluminum. So structurally, Holland says, it's not hard to break. Unquote. Of course, since science was mentioned, the ghost of Gillis was invoked. I'm sure he's delighted. Somewhere. A Political Prisoner's Perspective on COVID-19 from SupportEricKing.org This is the statement from Eric King concerning conditions at FCI Inglewood as they relate to COVID-19. Quote, they aren't doing testing here. They aren't doing shit, really. No hand sanitizer, no mask, no social distancing. The tears and showers aren't being cleaned even semi-daily. We still only get three showers a week and only one hour outside a day, typically super early in the gloom or rain. Medical staff told me they can't even order tests. They have to refer it to a doctor who then refers it to regional who then reviews it and decides whether to test or not. Bureaucracy at its finest. They will let us die in the name of justice, blame it on the virus, and move right along enslaving business as usual, unquote. Eric is currently under correspondence restrictions and thus can't receive letters, but can get softcover books and magazines. You can also donate to his legal fund at supportericking.org. What Midwives Taught Me About Anarchism From A Beautiful Resistance on Gods and Radicals by John Halstead The third in a series called Anarchism for Civilians, a.k.a. What Blank Taught Me About Anarchism. More anecdotal evidence of why modern medicine is not the fantastic argument for civilization that so many seem to think it is. Horror stories of hospital births, the illegality of midwives in some areas, the empowerment of home births, etc. Quote, but in order to experience an assisted home birth, our midwife had to risk jail because where we live, 
practicing midwifery outside of a hospital system is illegal. In addition, if the Department of Child Services had been notified, we might have been labeled child abusers and our children taken away from us by the state. The state would have claimed to be protecting our children, but what they really would have been protecting was the privileged position of the medical elite." Unquote. I'd say this is as much anti-civ as it is anarchist, but you know, that's cool. What Pirates Taught Me About Anarchism, from A Beautiful Resistance on Gods and Radicals by John Halstead. If the last installment in the Anarchism for Civilian series was on the medical system and health, kinda, this article is about violence, violence of the state versus violence that is more horizontal. There are a number of books on the democratic and or anarchic tendencies among some pirates, including a pamphlet from Enemy Combatant and The Devil's Anarchy put out by Atana Media. Again, this is as much or more about being against civilization than it is about being pro-anarchy, but that's a flavor that many of us are fond of, although citing Graeber leaves a bad taste in the mouth. Metaphors! Moving on. Arson attack against mobile phone tower Malmo, Sweden. Probably saying that wrong. From Anon, yay! A communique referencing Freddie Perlman against the techno-industrial nightmare and celebrating silence. No practical information here, but lovely words. Quote, we know that a future without Leviathan will never come, but this doesn't stop us from dreaming of its death. It never stops us from conjuring incendiary devices, burning its rotting body. It never stops us from cursing its shining armor and techno-industrial light. Kill, kill, kill is all that Leviathan can say. Burn, burn, burn is our response. Unquote. Drown, drown, drown is also an option. We do rely on fire a whole lot. Pretty, though. Eric assaulted by guard at FCI Englewood from supporteric.king.org. Eric King's situation is becoming increasingly dire as he has been attacked once again. Quote, on June 18th, Eric was taken into the showers while shackled and attacked. The guard took the metal detection wand and swung at each of his ankles, and when he would lift his leg, this officer would swing at the other. The guard then picked Eric up and dropped him on his head onto the concrete in the shower. He woke up after losing consciousness for 10 seconds, thinking they were pouring water on his face, but it was his own blood, unquote. Eric's support team says, quote, We are very hesitant to ask for folks to call in and advocate for Eric, because the last time this happened, a year and a half ago, his phone privileges were taken away. But at this point, Eric needs folks' help, unquote. Various numbers are listed in the article on ANews and on supportericking.org. The Heuristic Capacity of Anarchy, from Anarchia.info by Gustavo Rodriguez. This is an excellently translated piece on queer negativity, bad in, and calls for insurrectionary negation. Oh my. Quote, the anarchic pluperfect present lacks precedence. It will have to be carried out in acts that surpass the innocuous attack on symbols. Interrupting, rupturing, dismantling, toppling, cutting off, demolishing, setting fire, raising, is the core of an aesthetic and an ethic proper to the project of anarchic destruction in our days and, at the same time, a conscious reaffirmation of our negative essence. Whether negativity prevails in thought and action will depend on the heuristic capacity of the accomplices of anarchy and on the vast rejection of inertia and the opportune responses built on militant certainties and instituting positivity." Unquote. The author offers negativity and insurrection as substitutes for optimism and positive projects, which creates a bit of cognitive dissonance as the optimism of hoping that doing insurrection harder will lead to societal collapse keeps shining through. But burning stuff is pretty cool, I guess. Audio and video, <laughs> Fifth Estate Live with Kathy Ferguson, an hour from Fifth Estate with David Rovix. This is a truly terribly painful episode of what was already a milk toast show. 
Guest Kathy Ferguson, who is a, quote, fifth estate contributor, author, and professor at the University of Hawaii, unquote, is ostensibly on the show to talk about Emma Goldman as they wrote a book titled Emma Goldman Political Thinking in the Streets. However, what ensues is David Rovick stumbling around questions as he doesn't really seem to have any prepared, and Ferguson throwing out gems like pointing out the real, positive difference it makes that police in the UK dress like, quote, normal people, unquote, with faces you can see, and how she was surprised to learn that Minneapolis is the center of racist policing, as when she thinks back to doing her PhD in that city, she thinks of, quote, co-ops and native organizing, unquote. Whatever that means. Truly, truly terrible. Immediatism Podcast 78, 80, and 81, Can Anarchism Be Saved? And Elpis Journal, 37, 16, and 12 minutes, respectively, from Immediatism, a collection of readings from various Little Black Cart publications. This batch includes, first, a talk given by Aragorn at what may have been, but we hope will not be, the last official Berkeley Anarchist Students of Theory, Research, and Development Bastard Conference. Second, an extremely pretentious, quote, interview with a nihilist, unquote, and third, a piece from the always arcane, in an interesting way, Georges Bataille. Listen up, folks. Topic of the week. Poetry. The last A News topic of the week sonnet ever. Briefly, let's pause from attack from the streets. Acknowledge anarchy's poetic past. Words became deeds, became words, helped complete. Unfulfilled lives through drawn daggers and blasts. The blackest of seeds sowed long ago deep. By Declare Ravashal Novatore grew into revolt, refusal to sleep. Through the nightmare of power's cruel story, though uprisings fade from ennui or strife, hold the beautiful idea inside. Make anarchy part of everyday life. Destroy what destroys you. Let joy be your guide. Has poetry crossed your anarchic path? Did it come from the heights to curse and to laugh? Quote, Poetry is a mirror which makes beautiful that which is distorted. Unquote. Percy Bishy Shelley. Poetry has always been a companion to the beautiful idea, from the earliest proto-anarchists to the most infamous anarchists throughout history, to the newest anarchists sprouting up and finding footing among us. No matter the tendency or current or hyphenation, there is always poetry to be found in every corner of anarchy land. Long, long ago, poetry led me to anarchist ideas, and I've always wondered what role has poetry played in the journey of other anarchists? Do you think poetry and anarchy are intertwined, inseparable? Is anarchy, perhaps, the beautiful reflection seen in Shelley's mirror? How has poetry influenced your life as an anarchist, and what are some of the most influential poems, poets, or poetic projects in your life? Greetings, Anarchy Land. Ariel here. So, I don't like poetry. I think all good poetry lived and died with Edgar Allan Poe. So you all are in for a real treat because I invited probably the person that I know in my life who is the most passionate about poetry to come and sit with chat and chat with me. So welcome, Lou. Hello. Thank you for coming. So did I, did I say Shelley's name right? Let's see. What's the middle name? B. 
B-Y-S-S-H-E? Yeah, I think so. I think it's Bishy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, and I realized about halfway through that I should have had you read the poem because I don't actually even know how to I'll, read I'll a poem. I'll read some poems. Um, not, none of my, I'm not a poet, but I love poetry. So you do love poetry. Obviously, I've, I know this about you. I've known this about you. But I think this is the first moment where I've come to understand that you don't write your own poetry. I mean, I've written some poetry, but it's, I I mean, I don't necessarily keep it. I, I toss it when I clean house. <laughs> so it's not I, like you're accumulating a book. It's not like you're building a, a, a story or a repertoire or a life no, through I your mean, poems. I, I, I write sort of plays, and they're, maybe they're called mm-hmm. mystery plays, like they'll have Greek and Egyptian gods and things like that. And, and you know, I grab ancient poets and modern poets and yeah. use them in my plays and stuff. So I'm going to start before you go in, before you go off on your poetry part, um, because I associate you so strongly with your love of poetry and your love of William Blake. Um, my, I guess my question is, I'm interested in your history, your relationship between your politics and your poetry was there did did one come before the other did one inform the other were you did poetry make you an anarchist did your anar- did, did being an anarchist push you in directions towards interesting poetry how'd uh, you get here I, I mean i for whatever reason i decided i was an anarchist in high school and okay. i was probably more in my 20s before i ever discovered blake so i mean i was always you know reading science fiction and literature and honestly 99% of everything is crap. So if somebody says, oh, come to a poetry reading, I really won't want to go. <laughs> because it's, you I know. I feel vindicated. Or, 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 you know, I've been to poetry slams and someone busts out with something so intense and it's just like, wow. And then someone comes on who's even more intense and it's just, you know, I'm still dealing with the first one. I can't. Uh-huh. I think I better run. Bye. <laughs> uh when I first joined the, the the study group, somehow there was the idea of, oh, you're new here, write something about you and anarchism. And, and right away I mentioned, for one thing, I mentioned Lao Tzu, uh, the, the Taoist philosopher, and it's it's sort of a poetic uh, text that he wrote. The, the Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao. So he's, in a way, he's saying silence, which isn't poetry, but then he's, in this little poetic phrase, he's praising silence in words. So, so Shelley is talking about the the mirror. So hopefully, we, I, I like funhouse mirrors. You know, you look and you, sometimes you look like you're three feet tall. And mm-hmm. so, and, and in a hall of mirrors, the, the mirrors, the reflections in the mirrors are reflecting into other mirrors. So mm-hmm. hopefully we're about to enter a, a long hallway of funhouse mirrors. So for those of you who like poetry, and that's why you're here, I give you the gift of Lou and Lou's poetry. And I think Lou is going to read some poetry and have me read some poetry with him. So um, I didn't know about you and Poe. The bells, bells, bells. I bells, love Poe. I Quoth yeah. the raven. Quoth, yeah. Never and just, more. yeah. I, and it's, but it makes it, I mean, there's a couple Alice Walker poems that I really liked. And, and, and that um, was really uh, powerful for me when I was uh, young. Um, and I do, I remember the moment that I realized that 
um, Roberts Frost Snowy E. What's the name of the poem on a snowy winter's eve on a? Oh, okay. Yeah. Whose house is this? I think I know I, who. I mean, I know the path not taken. That's the one. Is the path not taken? Okay. I was. I remember the moment when I found out that poem was about death. Oh, wow. I was like, wait, really? <laughs> What's going on? Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, for the most part, poetry is bad and I don't <laughs> like it. And, you know, I've had people who love poetry give me books of good poetry and I just, you know, I'm a page and a half in and I just don't, I don't think it's interesting. I'm not moved. Uh, the pictures are not being painted. I mostly just don't care. And I, I don't, so I, it's just, yeah, but Poe does it for me. I have his whole collected works and I've read most of it and yeah, I think he's fantastic. A friend of mine wrote a letter to Charles Bukowski. Okay. And he sent him some poetry and he got a letter back from Bukowski and Bukowski said, Rhymers put me off. <laughs> uh I think the poetry that doesn't rhyme is more is is in a way more interesting because I think it feels riskier. Yeah. Um, but that's also because I don't know anything about poetry. Uh so like I don't require it to rhyme. That's yeah, not yeah. but yeah, again, it's just yeah. So yeah, Poe. That's it. The beginning and the end for me. So I wasn't sure what we were going to be doing here. So I, uh-huh. uh, I'd i like to say Blake, for one thing, he wrote what you could call graphic novels. I mean, he's an artist and he, he made these books that are illustrated on every page. So it's too bad to just hear Blake and not see some. Although that picture you have is Blake. Oh, the picture on the page. This is a Blake picture. That's that's. That's Orc, the spirit of revolution. Uh, well, there you go. Bursting from, from the flames. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So he did the art himself. He did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was a professional engraver. So he made oh. his poems, fully illustrated poems on copper plates. And it could be that he was wow. even writing backwards and then print. So that they directly would print onto the copper. In the direct. And so, right. Yeah. So. Wow. Okay. That's impressive. So, and then Blake, he's a, an epic poet, and he also has, he's a lyric poet. So his lyric poetry, some of it's really kind of cutesy, like, little lamb who made thee, dost thou know who made thee? Although then that's the companion piece to Tiger, Tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night. Oh, Incredibly, that's Blake. That's Blake, yeah. Um, so I want to read why, one of his- I don't know his, why uh, that's famous. I don't know why I know that, but I'm, I, mean, I, I know it. I'm familiar I, with I, it. I read it in fifth grade. It was in the- Textbook. It was like in, in your gra- textbook. In grade school. Yeah. 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 Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I totally. I recognize that line. I, I don't think I know anything after that line, but but yeah, uh, I didn't remember that it was Blake. Oh, I, I mean, there's one of his famous songs has been set to music, and here it goes. And did those feet in ancient times walk upon England's mountains green? Yes. And was the holy Lamb of God on England's pleasant pastures seen? And it it, it became an anarchist hymn. I will not cease from mental fight, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand. We have built Jerusalem in England's nice. green and pleasant land. Oh, oh, and you can find Billy Bragg doing actually singing it in, ah, a, be- in a beautiful there way. There we go. Yeah, that's what, oh, okay. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer did a, a bizarre prog rock uh, version of it. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me read you a cute little poem. Okay, read me a poem. A Poison Tree. I was angry with my friend. I told my wrath. My wrath did end. I was angry with my foe. I told it not. My wrath did grow. And I watered it in fears. Night and morning with my tears, and I sunned it with smiles and with soft, deceitful wiles. 
And it grew both day and night, till it bore an apple bright, and my foe beheld it shine, and he knew that it was mine. <laughs> and into my garden stole, when the night had veiled the pole, in the morning glad I see my foe outstretched beneath the tree. Who's that? That's Blake. That's Blake. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's from uh, Songs of Innocence and Experience. Nice. Okay, I liked that. <laughs> All right. Um, now uh, Ariel's going to help me do a little bit of an epic poem. So this is uh, almost Blake's uh, version of Prometheus Bound in a way. A, a demon or a titan, has is he's chained, and he's going to bust loose at some point. But meanwhile, he's raging in his chains. So I've given this the title, Such is the Demon. His limbs bound down mock at his chains, for over them a flame of circling fire unceasing plays to feed them with life and bring the virtues of the eternal worlds. Ten thousand thousand spirits of life lament around the demon, going forth and returning. At his enormous call, they flee into the heavens of heavens and back return with wine and food or dive into the deeps to bring the thrilling joys of sense to quell his ceaseless rage. Such, Such is, is the, the demon! demon! His eyes, the lights of his large soul, contract or else expand. Contracted, they behold the secrets of the infinite mountains, the veins of gold and silver, and the hidden things of Vela. Whatever grows from its pure bud or breathes a fragrant soul, expanded, they behold the terrors of the sun and moon, the elemental planets, and the orbs of eccentric fire. Such, Such is, is the, the demon. demon! His nostrils... Breathe a fiery flame. His locks are like the forest of wild beasts. There the lion glares. The tiger and wolf howl there. Oh! And there the eagle hides her young in cliffs and precipices. Such, Such is, is the, the demon. demon! His bosom is like starry heaven expanded. All the stars sing round. There waves the harvest and the vintage rejoices. The springs flow into rivers of delight. There the spontaneous flowers drink, laugh, and sing. The grasshopper, the emmet, and the fly. The golden moth builds there a house and spreads her silken bed. Such, Such is the, the demon. demon! His loins, inwove with silken fires, are like a furnace fierce. As the strong bull in summertime when bees sing round the heath. Where the herds low after the shadow and after the water spring. The numerous flocks cover the mountains and shine along the valley. Such, Such is, is the, the demon. demon! His knees are rocks of adamant and ruby and emerald. Spirits of strength and palaces rejoice in golden armor. Armed with spear and shield, they drink and rejoice over the slain. Such is the demon. Such his terror on the nether deep. Such, Such is, is the, the demon. demon. Okay, that was fun. Yeah. Very nice. So, I mean, it's it's kind of obscure stuff, but I mean, it's a vision of nature and humanity, and there's hints of Rousseau, the the giants who built this world are now everywhere in chains. Uh, kind of a I I can think of it as a kind of a revolutionary message. He wrote a poem in the 1790s called "America: A Prophecy," a very bizarre poem. What's this got to do with... He mentions George Washington and different people in the poem. Very strange poem. And he was actually... There's a lot, there was huge repression and censorship going on in, in Britain. So he was, in a way, talking about the French Revolution, which was still happening. So he just... And, and 
London was all for the American revolutionaries. So actually his publisher, uh, who, who first published Thomas Paine, spent a year in, in jail for uh, some of the stuff that he published. Wow. So, so Blake lived through some revolutionary times and repression. And he, he sort of got, the older he got, the more obscure he got, which is unfortunate. But um, When did he die? He died, I think, in 1827. Okay, so he was yeah. most prolific in the late 1700s? 1790s and early 1800s, yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, actually a lot farther back than I would have thought, which makes his his work actually all the more impressive. Okay, so we're going to ask, I'm going to ask some, I'm going to ask you some questions. Uh, the topic of the week questioner poses, do you think poetry and anarchy are intertwined, possibly inseparable? I think that's a perfect formulation. They're they're intertwined. They're not identical. So, for instance, we're talking about William Blake. He knew uh, William Godwin, who was kind of mm-hmm. first co- person, I think, to say, I'm an anarchist and this is anarchism. And kind of a cold guy in a way, an extremely rationalist. So you want to have Blake alongside with him from the beginning. To, here's the, the rational. Okay, that's cold, cool, and calculating. And you're, you make a lot of sense. And, and then you need the wild poetry as well. And then the rationalism kind of continued. I mean, Proudhon with all his monetary schemes and, you know, Bakunin, of course, he's a firebrand and everything, but kind of a sort of rational dogmatic tendencies at times. So you always got to have, have the poets there too. So, I mean, yeah, Emma Goldman, I, if, if I can't dance, so you need to have dance and theater and poetry. That's, it's got to be intertwined with, with anarchism. And, and, you know, the, sure, we want to be rational and everything, but that's only, well, Blake divides the universe into four, North, South, East, and West. And he has a, uh, reason that the the zoa in that quarter is called your reason which is sort of a fallen reason or it's like instrumental reason like theodore adorno in the frankfurt school would have he has uh, emotions are luva or lava um his he intuition is called orthona or sometimes he's called los and then we're on the body tharmus so for Blake, the four directions, he's against abstract space. Every direction has a personality. The sun rises in the east. It does never rise in the in any of the other quarters. So it's that's its personality. Hmm. Uh, mid, midnight, that's the sun's hidden in the north. So for Blake, everything has a personality. He doesn't want abstractions at all. So it sounds like what I hear you saying, two things, that actually poetry and anarchy are inseparable from one another that poetry that that anarchy needs the 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 art the poets the the theater the dancers the uh it's, it's a necessary component to it and that two perhaps poetry is part of where anarchy gets its personality i hope it does yeah more, i hope it's that comes to be more and more and more the case well that's a nice idea i like that um the, another question, which I think is interesting, is anarchy perhaps that beautiful reflection seen in Shelley's mirror? So again, the quote from Shelley is, poetry is a mirror which makes beautiful that which is distorted. So my the two cents that I'm going to throw in here is that most of the world around me, 
I perceive it to be a distorted, twisted, kind of fucked up world. And so if the metaphor is that if I um, turn the the mirror of anarchy towards it, that I get um, a, 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 a better reflection, perhaps a beautiful reflection, perhaps a, a friendlier, nicer reflection, or there's something in there that I can, that I can kind of work with. There's a metaphor there that I, that I, I kind of like. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting to me. What do you think? I, I mean, I, I'm definitely all for beauty and even beauty with a capital B. And yes, uh, you speak, you speak of beauty a lot because yeah. well, Blake speaks of beauty yeah, a lot, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I heard that truth and beauty were still dating. <laughs> I don't know if Nietzsche would agree with that or not. He probably would. Um, but I mean, beauty, but then we also want the sublime and we want kind of even the, the terrifying almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the, so they, it's beauty, but you got to expand your definition of beauty. And then I, uh, okay. it, if it's expanded, then I think Shelley is completely right. Okay. Well, thank you for coming and talking to me and sharing your thoughts. Would you like to exit on a poem? Um, Is there something you'd like to read? You've, you have a stack of books here in front of you. Let's see. Let me think of. Let, let me let me try and do do one for memory. Okay, um, that's fine. Well, we can we can wait for that. If you seize the moment before it's ripe, the tears of repentance you'll certainly wipe. But if once you let the ripe moment go, you can never wipe off the tears of woe. Very nice. Thank you very much for coming, Lou. That was fun. Anarchy Land, thank you for listening. Uh, Those of you in Seattle, take care of yourselves and watch your backs. Everyone else, be safe and stay angry. Until next time. This week's podcast was sound edited by Greg. The What's New was written and read by Chis and Greg. There's no editorial this week. No. And we thank Ariel and Lou for their help with the topic of the week, poetry. To learn more, anarchist and anti-political books, pamphlets, and other material are available at littleblackheart.com. For news by and or about anarchists and up-to-the-minute commentary, see you at anarchistnews.org and or the Anarchist News IRC chat room linked on a news.